Welcome, welcome. Guys, we are live. Welcome back to Coach Ernie Williams podcast. We are chatting. We're catching up with Brittany Smart. Coach Smart. Super Smart. <laughs> welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So Awesome, awesome. All right, we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Um, let's get a little background. Uh, tell us where you are, and then let's let's start uh, understanding who Brittany Smart is and how you got into professional basketball. Oh, gosh. Well, right now, I'm currently in Melbourne, Australia. I've been in Australia for about six years now. Permanent resident. I'm setting up camp here, it looks like. That's just kind of where my career led me uh, uh, from Europe, and then... Um, Went to college in Ohio and got started playing basketball because my dad, who's a basketball coach, he played in college as well. I would just tag along with his trainings and just start playing. And I realized I had a love for the game and even just the social aspect of uh, team sports. So uh, that's how it all began and started all the way in Ohio. And now I'm, now I'm here in Australia. Uh, did you play any other sports growing up? Uh, not really. I played volleyball for one year, but then it kind of took me away from practicing basketball. I played like, you know, select soccer for a season. Mm -hmm. it took me away from AAU basketball. So I was like, well, yeah. I just can't have any of that. So just stopped that. And basically once high school started, it was strictly basketball, strictly thinking about scholarships and all that stuff for college. Okay. What high school did you go to? I went to three different high schools. So okay. I I traveled around quite a bit, but um, I went to Troy Christian for a bit. I went to Southeastern, and then I graduated from Shawnee and all the kind of Southern Ohio. Okay. So you pretty much broke records at each school and just bounced. Well, <laughs> created a lot of havoc, wreaked havoc, and I left. Totally. No havoc. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. All right, uh, Brittany, tell us a little bit how about how um, – your recruiting uh, experience went for you? Let's see. Well, for me, I actually didn't pay attention to it. My dad was probably a little bit more into it, um, being a coach and stuff. And he was my coach throughout my whole career, even at all the uh, different high schools that I went to. So he was a little bit more into it and kind of just, you know, took in the letters and the mail and all that stuff. Um, but I basically stayed close to home 15 minutes away from where I graduated, where I went to university. So for me, I actually signed even before my senior year, which was my best year. Um, but I just wanted to have that decision done and made. Um, and I went to a small school in the era, no, it was NAIA at that point. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't even know many professional women athletes from NAIA or male for that matter. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah, I just kind of made the decision when I, just, I met the coach. Uh, I liked his, I think our, our moral standards, our intentions are kind of on the same page. And the small school allowed me to, I don't know, fight for championships a year, even if it was NAIA. Um, yeah. I kind of liked that rather than just trying to kind of make the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, I had an opportunity to a few times in the season on a, on a win, which I thought was pretty cool. So yeah, I ended up going there, and I just didn't want to be put into a box or square going to a bigger school. But I couldn't have exploded and gone, gone out of that box. I loved versatility has always been my game. Play defense, score off the dribble, catch and shoot, mm -hmm. you know, be a stopper, be a point guard and pass, be a score on certain teams. And you can do that a little bit more at a smaller school and be 
a little bit of everything to everyone, every game, every season. Uh, I like that idea. Yeah. Did what, did you kind of come upon that yourself, or did you have dad or other, you know, uh, college players that were kind of like, hey, you know, you can go D1 route, or you can go a little smaller school, get probably a little more attention, more development. Did you have that, or was it on your own kind of thinking? Yeah, well, it actually ended up being that my dad, um, my mom and dad both graduated from, so it was a little bit of a family connection okay. as well. I think I was also a bit... Um, nervous or scared to go to a big school like i'm a small town girl small school you know um and for me it, it was a bit intimidating to go to a ncaa you know big school yeah and i think I, just, I, I was like oh i don't know and uh, you know taking that bold step wasn't in my nature mm-hmm. at that point um and i think there would have been some value for sure still going to a big school and getting that recognition but i always thought i always worked hard and developed found a place that i could love the game a career after that will fall into place no matter what school i go into is kind of what's kind of my mindset mm-hmm. so it may t- it took yeah. me a little bit longer of a route or haven't made as much money because i don't have that d1 in my you number know, on my resume right, right. that's just the path that that i took and the path that i chose and i don't think i would change change it perfect and I, I love this being part of your story because that's why i'm talking to other players like you that have but uh, had a different route, and not everybody goes D one or has to go D one. And I love, I would love for parents to understand that, for even coaches to understand that, and especially these athletes that, you know, what they see is that that carrot that's dangling is always D one. Why D one? You know, mm-hmm. is that just because that's everybody's goal, or is that for you? So I think I think your story is going to resonate with a lot of um, athletes and parents that. You can still go pro, right, from a smaller school. And it's all about um, the opportunity that's going to be for you at whatever school you go, go to. Like you were yeah. saying, like if you would have maybe went to D1, um, sometimes you might not have got the exposure that you got or the, the development. Honestly, I think I would have been more developed as a player if I, went, if I did go to a smaller school. I think yeah, about these things, right? But I wouldn't change anything either. I still made it. <laughs> well, yeah. Once you make your make decisions or you're in a certain um, you know, situation, it's then not regretting that. It's just how can I take this good decision or bad decision or indifferent decision and bring it to my advantage? Mm-hmm. You know. So I think that's the thing. How can I take what I've been through, decisions I've made, or whatever? Yeah. I can I take that and make it an advantage some one way or another, I think you're always going to be fine. But for me, it was environment and support system. That who, who you're around is who you become. Yeah. So that's what you need to choose your um, decisions on, whether that's college, you know, for a lot of these athletes, or even just jobs or whatever your goals are, that environment and support system has to be there. Um, mm-hmm. And that may make NCAA division one and maybe duke something like that and maybe cedarville university a small school in southern ohio but you can thrive off either and make it what you want you just have to be active and diligent in it yeah that's exactly it make it what you want um take advantage of that opportunity so uh Brittany, so how did you get to uh professional basketball how did you make that um transition to you know finding an agent and, and understanding that there is professional basketball outside of the WNBA. 
<laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, which I thought as well too, was like, oh, if I don't get a tryout, I, yeah, I guess I'm done, you know, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, knowing that I'm a small, um, small school girl and I don't even really look the part. I don't even look intimidating. I don't even, so even just that's looking at me and sort of like, uh, that's not what happened. And she went to a small school. Oh, okay. She's just a white girl who can shoot. She's not really yeah. athletic. She can't do anything else. You know, I don't even look the part. So I was just like, Ooh, this could be tough. Um, so I wasn't sure, but I always stayed ready. I always prepared. I always said, I was always working on the craft to a certain extent. I always had that there, even though I didn't really know exactly where life was going to go. Um, mm -hmm. I did have a little opportunity to, um, possibly go to like a WBA, um, combine, but then I didn't make the last cut, like this last round thing. And I don't even know the details of that. My dad was more involved in that. Again, I was just like, <laughs> Let me know what comes to the door about this work on it and I'm not going to get caught up in caught up in that. But then there was um, sports management. There's a pro tryout that I had to pay for in Boston, Massachusetts to even get people to look at me, other agents and then, um, you know, other uh, well, overseas agents and USA agents. So I had to pay to even try to get a job or to get an agent. So I went there for the weekend of this a couple maybe like WBA players that either got cut or on the on the cusp of tryouts, a little bit like me, and then some European players that were trying to get back over to Europe. And I ended up just I was prepared, ended up getting MVP of the camp. I was like, oh okay, I can play. Right, all right, yeah. Even against the D one players or you know, right. Yeah, against all odds, kind of kind of thing. And then that's where I picked up my agent, and then I got that first um, contract over in Belgium. So I was like, well. I might as well go. There's nothing else that's really pushing me to stay here. I have the freedom to do it. I, I would hate to not try and see how, how it goes over in Europe. And then mm -hmm. here I am 14 years later, whatever, still playing. Yes. Crazy. That's amazing. I played seven. Mm -hmm. I wish I could still be playing. I I, would I, I was getting, it's weird. I was uh, 27, 28, just getting to the, the point in my career where, I was understanding the game. At, it's weird. You play for it so long, so long, but you understand the game at a, a different level, a more efficient level of playing, um, and less energy. But my body was like, ah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's let's bring it on down. Let's retire. So I had to retire. But um, yeah, man, congrats on 14 years. That's amazing. Mm. Oh I, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know you've been working hard on your body too. So I definitely want to talk about that. So. Uh, these athletes can hear, uh, you know, what type of effort and consistency it takes to continue to play the game. Yeah, I mean, I had I followed the steps. I was someone who paid attention to every single detail because all the little details added up is one big part of your game. You know, mm -hmm. so even the details of shooting, the details of recovery, the details of strength training, those little things that don't seem like a big deal or, oh, yeah, I I put with my left thumb when I do it. That's not that big of a de detail. Well, maybe not. That's the only detail that's kind of whatever, because everyone has their own flair. You know, there's a basic fundamental, but everyone has their own flair. But if you have that and your foot was not right and your elbow's out or you're not prepared before you shoot, well, yeah. shoot, man. Yeah, you're not going to reach, reach your potential. Um, so I think for me, whenever something came my way, whether that was an injury, I just really followed the steps to the T to the T. I was methodical, a little bit OCD, and I just stayed consistent. So I stayed consistent with that schedule and made it a habit because you don't, you're not always motivated. You're not always disciplined. It's not like, oh, I love basketball and 
you know, it's easy for Brett because look at her career. So she kept kept doing this. Well, I didn't know I was going to have this career. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to know is I at least wanted to give myself every chance and opportunity to have a long career and right. to be successful and to reach my potential. So, um, yeah, just different different things that I learned along the way. You always wish that you stretched and recovered better, younger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I did what I could and what I knew at that point, really. And, and um, the older I got, just like how you learn more about the game, you learn more about your body, you're more in tune with it, then you learn more about recovery, what works for you and strength training and having an open mind of adjusting and changing what you thought was gospel and truth. Sure. And, learn yeah. to adjust. and immediately, right? Like, don't be hard-headed. If, if, if you find something that works better, switch it up quick. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of vulnerability, a bit of humility, you know, where you thought this was true and you used to preach it and do it. And now you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore, but understanding just like the evolution of the game. So you change your game to make it fit. Um, and then the evolution of strength conditioning, you change it, you know, and there's been more evidence and proof and self-experimentation. Same with your diet. This used to work and you had great gains from it, but you can a plateau or new information's come out. So I think as long as you're constantly evolving, creating and being open-minded, I think you'll be able to, just like in culture, you know, outside of work, you yeah. you might have a strong belief in something and you might realize, oops, that ain't true. But being okay with that, learning, you know, to adjust your moral standards, um, you know, to the culture that's around you. Yeah. Like, it sounds like, like any other career. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you say Belgium? Is that your first stop? Tell yep. us about Tell us a little bit about rookie year, rookie season overseas. What was different? Oh, wow. This is it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, a little bit. I was just talking the other day about how, you know, in college we get everything done for us. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a professional. I go to Europe. I got to take my own ankles? (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) I don't even know how to do where to even start with that? Or you know, all the, we don't have a physio. Uh, say physio here. For a train, trainer. We don't have them, you know, at training or you know, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. You know, strength training is neither here nor there for some clubs. Some clubs, you know, they're so big on it. But it's not not as big as the states. Strength conditioning is always bigger in the states. Not so yeah, and it's just very interesting. Um, but I think the things I learned was i think there's, there's a few was you know adversity and the fact that i couldn't speak french and only like two of my teammates really had the guts to speak french mm-hmm. so i had the opportunity to think about my words and think before i spoke because if i spoke some wouldn't even understand someone so i really learned how to filter you know some of the thoughts that came through that would i would normally said so being slow to speak, you know, quicker to listen, that was more, I really had to listen intently. And even if I didn't understand the French they were saying, or even the English and the translation wasn't great. Yeah. I really had body language, how I express myself through my body language. You know, a lot of athletes do struggle with that anyways. On the court, you see them, you're like, man, this person is pouting and complaining. So yeah. I'll time for body language. So body language, learning to listen. That was a really, really um, two lessons I really learned. And then also um, being content, being on your own a lot, you know, like you had you had friends, you had your team, 
But being content and being productive with your time when you have a lot of downtime, you know, you're just going straight from the hectic schedule of, of college. So yeah. that was, those things were really um, the, the biggest thing is, you know, I, I, I kind of took over the motto, the motto of being bored is only for boring people. So if I'm by myself just bored, well, gosh, I'm a boring person and I need to start either being creative or start doing something. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So prioritizing time, learning to listen. I had a chance to listen more. And then how I express and get friends to love, care, and support the teammates through my body language and a smile on your face and whatnot. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, did your coach speak uh, English too or only French? Yeah, he spoke he spoke English. That was good. But in time and stuff, it's too it was too quick for him. So he would speak in um, in in French. But I'd have to you know pay attention to John Board. I made my team run a couple suicides in trainings because the translation meant like two meanings. Yeah, like well, we translated to you. I was like, yeah, I thought it was the other. Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It happened like in that rookie year, and I was like, oh my gosh, I really need to pay attention and ask another question back. I really don't get it. Yeah, cool. Um, after, so after Belgium, where did you end up? Um, I had four years in Sweden. So I had uh, three years in Gothenburg, and then I had one year way up north in Lulio. Um, so that was a pretty interesting experience in the fact that Sweden is dark and cold a lot of the time, but luckily, you know, we're inside a stadium playing because basketball was during that time, so you kind of get through it mm -hmm. a bit. Um, and then just the adversity of, that's where I tore my ACL. So mm. how to overcome that. Um, I ended up staying and having surgery there. I'm very lucky that I was able to build relationships and trust with the team and the and the club to, they resigned me, you know, a few months later after I had torn it, trusting my work, work ethic and my habits and just my nature to resign me and have me come back and motivation to really follow the steps and you know, not skip any and rehabilitate and get ready for that for, for that next season. So um, getting used to the cold and the dark, that was you know, that was tough. ACL, that was tough. But the highlight was that last season up in Lulio, we won the whole the whole thing. Um, and that was their first uh, gold. So I thought that was pretty cool. They'd gotten second like four or five times um, in the past. And we finally brought the first gold. Yeah, then they've won like five in a row since then or something like that. So congrats crazy. on that. Um, and that's where we we actually played against each other. That's how we met in the game. Yeah. Um, so in, was that Gothenburg? Was that that team? Yeah, I think so. I think I was. It was the green and the gold team. I was there for three years. I yeah, think. it it was definitely a yellow yellow team. I remember. Yeah. But yeah, you were tough, man. I don't care about. You gotta, you gotta watch out for these smaller players, man. They, they, boom, hit you with the uh, uh. You were tough, you know. Oh, oh no, I, pre I appreciate that. I would say <laughs> a little bit yourself. I don't know if we guarded each other much, but uh. No, no, we didn't. But yeah, it was a tough game. It was, it was always a tough game and a, a scouting report. So, um, yeah, I definitely remember you putting some numbers up and doing great things in Sweden. And that was actually one of my favorite places to play. Uh, I had a good season my first year there at. Bisbee with the Bisbee ladies, but you I wasn't did. able to come back. And then I, I guess after that, I went to Romania, but I was trying to get back to Sweden. <laughs> I really was. Well, it's a, it's a good lifestyle. And the fact that they do, um, they speak English so well, so you're able to balance 
your work life, which is basketball, and your social life, and you know, life outside of basketball and your own world view and, and, and learning different cultures. You'll be able to do that a bit more because Scandinavian countries, I think, really suits Americans or English speaking um, athletes or people. So that's why I was there for four years. Like, I was also coaching strength conditioning stuff on the side. Like, I started to go home less and less or not for as long and stay longer after the season and go earlier. So, yeah, I put a life there. Nice. Yeah. I remember. So, I remember my first time in Sweden. So, two things. The first, I think the first night I got there, like you said, it was pitch dark. And I got there, I took a nap. I wake up and I'm like, oh shoot, I missed practice. So I'm like, hop on Skype. I'm like texting my, my teammate, hey, what time is practice? What time is it? It was literally three o'clock in the afternoon. It was pitch dark outside, like it was seven or eight. And she's like, nah, we have practice at seven. I was like, what? What time is it? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh man, they're sending me back home. I already messed up. I just got here. <laughs> <laughs> Quick stint. Yeah, and then coming from Texas, I don't know what I was thinking. It was I left the states and got there like right on Thanksgiving Day, and it they were they had already had snow and ice, so I get there with no boots. I have these like tennis shoes on. I'm walking back from our cafe. I'm just walking, man, and it's like a whole movie scene. I got some nachos in my hand. I'm just walking, and I take a, a step and I just slip. You know how it's in the movies and they like throw the pizza in there or whatever. It oh, was yeah. like. And I got up really quick, like Beyonce. I was like, looked around, I can walk. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. <laughs> it was very embarrassing. I don't think anybody saw me Luckily, Swedes aren't as uh, quite as friendly at first, and they have their heads down when they walk around. So maybe no one saw you. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> All right, so we go from uh, Belgium to Sweden for four years, and then we land in Australia. And I have seen this from many Americans and any really anybody that plays over uh, in Europe. Once they get to Australia, they ain't going nowhere else. Tell yeah. us why it's so good down there. Because uh, the level is so high and it's English speaking. So you're used to the culture. You can communicate with, with all your team. You know, so after six years in Europe, in my instance, wow, to have English as a first language is like, amazing and there's like tons of WNBA people always coming over here playing and then yeah. there's tons of WNBL girls going to WNBA playing because our seasons are opposite time mm-hmm. you're really getting a great you know comp- you know competition and they also have a second league here um during the WNBL all season that's yeah. it's still really good their first five are still WNBL people even in the second league so I'm still playing against, you know, quite of a high, you know, um, quality. And something else is they just understand work-life balance. So it's not like I'm training so many hours. Like you're some Europe, it's like two days every single day. You're sprinting, you're running all the time. To where here, it actually is is pretty good, and they kind of balance that out. You might have three main team trainings, and then you might have individuals or strength. Mm-hmm. But and then the season is pretty short, so that's another thing. You're able to go to Europe if you want a Europe season and come back and play WNBL. You can go to right. WNBL and then come back and play WNBL. It's like I don't know. It's, it's just so um, it, conducive to what else? What what other else you want to do, or if you want to make more money and play somewhere else, or 
you know, time to go visit home, you know, all this stuff. And right. the best, in, best in, the, in the world in some cases. So, um, yeah, like you can just like, you know, Russia or Poland or some great, you know, EuroLeague teams in, in Europe. It's, it's great and it's such a high level. It's just not as easy of a lifestyle if you come from America or an English speaking country. That's why I think a lot of people do stay. Yeah. Um, how long is the WBL and the S, uh, what is it, the SEABL, the second league, are they the same length and just opposite? Yeah. So Siebel, which is now called NBL1, um, they are just like four or five months, like from April to August. Okay. And then WNBL is during like the our summer, but your winter normal basketball season. So anywhere from preseason starting in like September to like February. Right. But actually, like, actual games. Yeah, yeah. So to where like in Europe, it is eight months. You finish in April. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a bit longer, and you know, it's just harder on your body. Okay. So you said. So do y'all y'all don't practice every day the WNBL or does it is does it vary from team to team? You usually get a break after two days. So let's say we train Monday and Tuesday. You usually get that Wednesday off, and then you might train Thursday. Um, and then you have the games. Sometimes two games on the weekend. It could be like a Friday game, okay. rest or travel day. Saturday play in on Sunday. Um, because it is a shorter season, you will get the two games. Okay. A lot of times, like during the week of the weekend, which I think is good anyways. I'm going to beat myself up for games, not trainings anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like a dream come true when you look at Europe. Like you said, that yeah. twice, two a days, like full the full season. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting old. I'm just 25. Why are we practicing like this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think they, they're really good with balancing that out. Again, I think that's why people... That's why people stay and love it. It's shorter. You play two games a week rather than the one long season of eight months in Europe in two days. So it's just they just don't beat you up as much. Um, or college, I think college is still too much in my opinion as well. You know, mm -hmm. you, you get beat up so much and you get no rest and no sleep. You're just constantly in repair mode. You are. That is. Uh, repair mode is going to take us into um, – I guess some, any injuries that you've had or a adversities going through your uh, pro career that you've had to overcome and, and deal with, and then kind of tell us how, how you got through mentally on that mental performance side. Um, well, I had ACL when I was like 25. Um, so that was 10 years ago. I just revealed my age. It's all good. I'm 33. We in here. <laughs> yeah, at, least, at least you're above 30. Um, <laughs> And I've had like dislocated, you know, fingers or, you know, black eyes or I've had like stitches like four or five times, like in my eyebrow, you know, little things like that, ankle sprains. But then I had ankle reconstruction surgery on the same side as my left leg, uh, left knee with my, the ACL. I had that just like a year and a half ago, two years ago. It was kind of brave to do that at my age and point in my career. Um, and trying to figure out the best way and strongest way to make sure that I'm coming back pretty healthy. Uh, I probably came back a bit too soon last year, so I was kind of out with like a little calf injury because of it. And, you know, okay. I was able to finish the last six or seven games, so that was good. Good. Um, but, yeah, for me, I was able to get through every – especially when I'm thinking about the big injuries, um, support system, environment, 
who I surrounded myself with and who I ch chose to give my energy to. Um, and then you know, having those mentors. So in Sweden, like my physio was like one of my friends almost, you know, I really connected with her and she was able to, you know, I, I was inspired to go there and do the work, but also because she would be there and provide that extra, all right, here we go. One step at a time, you know, or whatever I needed that day. Right. So that was just like, you know, massive. Like I, like I said, even if you're a lead athlete, you're not always going to feel motivated. But if you have people people around you to help you when you aren't motivated, then it's just so much, so much easier. So even just like this last year with the ankle, it's the same, same system, the support group that was around me. That's how I was able to do it. And I just followed the rules. I didn't skip any steps. I followed the rules. Yeah. Awesome. I know you've, uh, you're you're chomping at the bit to go get some shots in for, mm -hmm. it's been like what? You said five months since we got we, we had to get in the gym? Oh, man. But listen, no excuses. The rest of the country isn't, isn't waiting on Victoria to open up and they're going to come full swing once season starts. There's no oh, excuses. Yeah. I've been doing my footwork in the streets. A little bit of street ball brought you that back to my life. Exactly. If you keep the keep the footwork right, man, the shot's gonna come back. You're you're a hooper, you're a shooter. Yeah, you got the shot. I've been playing for a while. I kind of feel like I'll get my touchdown. That's fine. So the footwork and just <laughs> managing, managing the load will come. You know, the, my first thing is just gonna be availability this season. I'm always available and feeling healthy and not second guessing my body. So I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, let's see. I wanted to. Oh. I wanted to talk about, um, so you say you do some coaching and different training. Let's talk about what you do off the co off the court. And um, yeah, share, share a little bit about your business that you're getting ready to uh, launch. And we want to know everything. We want to support you. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You know, even just this platform is pretty awesome, pretty cool. And, you know, collaborate collaboration i think is, is is awesome and there's no it's it's the difference between when you're trying to build businesses or even just women in leadership or what yeah. trying to promote movement or coaching you know it's connection it's collaboration um it's not competition well she's going to steal my athletes or she's going to steal my business or she's going to steal you know we're not the same person and so it's like we right. each offer different things doing it together rather than a lot of things often so this has been a really cool opportunity for me um and i guess i'm kind of doing that same thing of um all the mentors that i've had have helped mm -hmm. me become a, a versatile athlete and what's always mattered to me is versatility longevity and being pain-free while doing those things i need to be pain-free and available to show my versati versatility and then that will allow longevity so those are the three things that have really mattered to me and so i'm coming up program that those who have those same values or want to have those same goals, whether it's an elite athlete or a grandparent to have long Debbie live a long healthy life, play with the grand grandkids or whatever sport they choose pain free while doing it, being able to get up at any time, anywhere, um, and do anything you want is really the ultimate goal. So that's the journey that I've been on the last year. And I'm just basically, I've been coaching face to face, but with COVID and everything allowed me the time to set up something online. So I'm actually meeting up with um, someone later on to get that organized um, for the okay. interim before maybe the long-term goal of having my, having, um, you know, my own smart.athletic app where I can choose what I want and what it looks like. Um, okay. Yeah. So in the meantime, it's, it's an online, um, you know, strength conditioning, sports specific program. And I'm looking at 
you know, when you think about longevity, pain-free and versatility, that's pretty all-encompassing. Something in the all-around smart athlete is what I'm going to probably launch and I'll do different levels and different stages, stages of that. Um, and that's going to encompass smart knees, which is the strength conditioning part to make sure we're keeping our knees and then ankles, building ourselves up from the ground up. We'll have maybe 50% of it will be upper body because 15% is of arms is used when you're trying to run or sprint or jump. Um, and then basically it's trying to help these athletes or give them the best protocol with standards and numbers to prepare themselves so they don't have to repair. Like I've had a lot of repair time like we just talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm even doing this myself and I practice what I teach, I follow through. I'm in the trenches with everyone when I'm doing it. So I'm on my own all around smart. So it's all about getting the knees strong, which byproduct will be the ankles, will be the hips, will be the back, will be the upper body. Talk about jump balance, learning to jump off both legs, not just get comfortable with one pivot leg. Mm -hmm. land on both legs, learning how to bound off the toe or the heel toe. Uh, when you look at Kobe Bryant's reruns, how many versatile dunks or jumps or shots did he take off one foot, two foot, left foot plant, right toe, left, you know, whatever it was, yeah. he wasn't caught off guard because he was balanced. And then you look at Derrick Rose, he only had one plant, left, left, right, left, right. It's caught in the air, something good happens, ACL. So it's just very interesting. Um, yeah. you know, Adding that in, a little bit of jump, um, balance. I'll have a bit of speed work in with the all-around smart athletes um, and just try to make it through a bit of um, smart talk, life lessons through basketball, um, and then smart mindset, the philosophy. I love it. Everything smart. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you got to do it, you know? So it, uh, that's what I'm working towards. So I'll just get, like, the basic, just the rookie part of yeah. the world athlete you know and then uh, just build myself up from there but i do want to at least get the smart knees um out there and build you from the ground up i think that is important and i'll keep adding uh, what has helped me and what knowledge that people bring to me um i need to i feel like i want to share that truth with others and um but that's what i'm working towards a lot of it a lot of vids and even though it's online my goal is to give the individual experience. So there's no secrets in moving in movement. There's no secrets in a step back three or different basketball skills. You and I, we all know the same stuff. But the individual experience of um, me individually coaching their form videos that they'll send back to me, um, yeah. access to me, 48 hours in return of, of me answering your questions. And just build that experience and community. I'll link you up with a buddy with someone else that's in my program so you can have that ability when it's, when it's down. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think that individual coaching experience is great. So a lot of times online coaches they send out a PDF and you don't hear from them for the next three weeks. Well, how how do you know if you're doing it right? Where's the form, the troubleshooting? So the individual part of you sending something back and saying, and I'm individually coaching and troubleshooting what you need to work on. And that's where, um, you know, that, that coaching with someone at an elite level on and off the court with sports-specific training in basketball just trying to hit every single point of what has worked for me and the all around smart athlete, I think is actually um, really cool. Cause it even addresses stress, thoughts, you know, vision, like all these things that you know, sleep. It's just, it's It's hard. And you know, life overseas, it's like I've been there, I've been through it. Here's what has worked. Um, and if things don't work, well, I have progressions and regressions for everything. So smart knees, zero, zero equipment. 
that's the baseline. You get yeah. this tendon and then you got smart knees, two, three, four. So you can actually put 150% body weight on some of these movements. So you can go for the elite or for the grandma. And I think that progression and regression and scalability is super key, but you can only get that with the individualized coaching and form videos. And that's only athlete. they don't send it in mm -hmm. and not becoming as bulletproof as you probably could be. So sure. that's me. Yeah, that's dope. That's going to be so dope. So much fire. I'll sign you up. Huh? I'll sign, sign you up. up. Yeah, I, I need the old lady and the rookie. Done. <laughs> um, Coach, how, how many minutes do you have? Uh, I got you. I got, I got on the five. Okay, cool. Two things. I wanted to talk. I wanted to get your opinion on uh, a little bit deeper, a little bit on uh, how important the feet are in training uh, your body, not basketball, but uh, the strength and conditioning. And then I wanted to leave with uh, one tip or a couple advice points um, for the young ladies out here that are vying for a scholarship at any level. Uh, and they just want to be the best they can be. So uh, what's your, what's your thoughts on building from the ground up? You talked a lot about that. And I really believe that. I think I missed out on that during my injuries in college. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've missed out it out on it a lot in my career as well. I'm just lucky that I just uh, persist and I don't want injury to be the reason I stop. I don't want age to be the reason I stop. Um, not that you can totally put off age or um, unknown injuries if someone lands on you, but I think you can prevent the soft tissue and the non-contact injuries. And that's what we're yeah. trying to avoid here. So yeah. um, the ground up thing, the big toe. I've been realizing how important the big toe is because the big toe ignites the BMO, which is down by your knee on the inside, which allows you to run, jump, change directions. You know, so building that, and there's things called FHL calf raises. Mm -hmm. It's like flexor, hallucination, longest, not that, but <laughs> something like that. Again, I'm not a science, a scientist or anything. Like that. I just self-evidence and self-experimentation. So, um, but those have really, really helped. So when you like stand against a wall and you're at an angle, 45 degree angle, and then you're doing calf raises and you're pushing through that big toe. Okay. Um, yeah. And even just um, pulling sleds in reverse, walking backwards, running backwards, your toes are 15 degrees out and you're pushing through your big toe. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have pigeon toed. Yeah. We avoid using the big toe and therefore that's when we get our knee injuries because this is what turns on the BMO, which allows lateral movement and change of direction and going side to side. Um, so the feet, it's like crazy. So I do like a, sometimes I'll challenge some of my athletes a 30 day protocol of ground up, which is calf raises, FHL calf raises, it's knees over toes, calf raises. So okay. you bent leg um, and, and then tibialis raises. So you're actually leaning against the wall, your butt's against the wall and your toe raising. Because that tibialis, which is your shin, across your shin bone, is a muscle. We always train the back, but we never train the front. But that's yeah. the most protective muscle for your knee. When you stop, that's the first thing that's going to protect you from injury and force. Um, and it helps you, you know, jump straight up. That's that's what's working there. So tibialis raises, the protocol for that, and the, and the calf raises. Um, and we do 30 days of that and just get everything you know really strong which in turn gets your feet strong yeah 
Awesome. Um, I totally agree with the big toe. Uh, I have pretty flat feet, so when I'm just standing there, I just play with my feet, and I'll dig my big toe in, and I'll kind of create a little bit of arch. And I'm like, that's probably where my, if I was to work on my feet, that's probably where my arch would be, right, if they were actually worked um, instead of super flat. But I got work to do, Coach. I got work to do. Yeah, I hear you. Um, okay. All right, last last thing. What would you, any advice you want to leave um, the middle school girls, the high school girls, that are, are trying to train in AU, playing ball, trying to get a scholarship, where should their mind be? How should they be progressing and just trying to attack this dream? Well, I think the first thing is the head. Believe in yourself, believe that you can do it, you yeah. know, um, and make sure you have a healthy mindset, whether it's having having the mentors you go to talk to, getting advice from, um, you know, having a healthy life, balance um i think it's super important even if you need you know just that mental health and meditation um a psychiatrist whatever it is like someone to make sure that you know you're thinking properly and strong you believe that you can do it um whatever your goals are and that you have a healthy self-image um be com getting comfortable with who you are so get the mind right a lot in the mindset um even a terrible program strength conditioning program if you believe it's going to work you probably made the most of that terrible program and you probably have some sort of benefit, you know, and you have the mental discipline to do it. Um, the next thing is the heart, passion. Do you like the game? Are you really passionate about it? Because if you love it, it won't feel like work and you'll be able to go out and do the dirty stuff, the stuff that you don't love to do because it allows you to be able to do the stuff you love. Right, enjoy. I think that is, that's massive. Is make sure it, it's something that you're passionate about. You have your head, your heart, and then you have your hand, which is write down your plan. What's your plan? Um, maybe I like to work in seasons. Seasons are three months to me. Where you want to be in three months? What is that going to look like? What are you going to do weekly to get there? And then maybe you have a priority, something that really needs to get done, and that's your one-month sprint. So that first month, you're sprinting, you're going hard. So maybe it's that ground up. Be able to play in three months, man. I gotta sprint and get my team strong. These next thirty days it needs to happen, or whether it's school or grades or you know whatever it is, you have your one month sprint in line with your season goal, which is three months, mm -hmm. uh, and have that plan. Write down a plan. Ask people about it, whether that's strength conditioning. Have them help you write a plan so you can actually do the habits and create habits your goal, write it down, use that hand, write it down, see it in front of you, and put your whys, why are you doing this, what is the point of this, and make it relevant to what you need. And then the last thing is your legs, your support system. You know, you got to have strong legs, strong support system around you. Uh, if you don't have that, even if you have a poor household where they just have, you know, poor lifestyles and, you know, poor um, demeanors and morals, you search for it. Don't make an excuse. Take that situation you're in, make it to your advantage somehow, and outsource and find that support system as much as you can. Um, and because that's that's what's going to carry you through. And you just mind's not there, the heart's not there. Something where your support system lifted you back up and rejuvenated you, and start start through that list again. Um, but yeah, so head, heart, hand, and legs. Go through that. Make sure you have all that. And then at least you know you've done everything you can to give yourself the best chance possible to reach your dreams. And it may not go exactly how you want, or may not go to the place that you thought you would. But yeah. you no, know you did everything on your part. 
exactly. Head, heart, hand, and legs. I love it. I nice. love it. Coach Smart, you guys, watch this. Reach out to her. Check her website out. She's going to be having that uh, program launch uh, here in the future, and it's going to be phenomenal. Um, and you can you can email her on her britsmart.com uh, if you have any questions or needs some mentorship. I highly suggest that you reach out. She's awesome. Uh, Coach, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Coach E. Keep doing what you're doing over there. So keep trading information, keep learning and growing. I will, for sure. Uh, stay on. But for everybody else, we are out. Peace. Peace.